Hey, I want to dive in straight off from where we left off last week. If you tune in uh, to our online experience, we were talking about this. Uh, we ended our talk when it comes to your particular redemptive God story. And I just want to start off this talk from where, where we left off last week because I believe God is saying this to you and and, and for some, it's actually going to come as a reminder uh, when it comes to the true significance of your redemptive story in Jesus Christ. You know, everything that has happened to you for, from the first time that you heard about Jesus and to the moment where, when you committed your heart to follow Jesus and kind of trust Him with your life, our, our, our life, it was never meant to be in a passive relationship because Following Christ is never a passive decision. I want to say that again. Following Christ is never a passive decision. It is an adventurous life that we sign up for when we say yes to Jesus. When you say yes to Jesus. And one of the most practical and significant narrative for a Christ follower is that when we, that we cannot really overlook or undermine our story of faith. You know what I mean? We cannot undermine and overlook our story of faith, our, our story of change and the ongoing transformation that Jesus brings out in our life through the Holy Spirit. And I believe God wants to help us experience biblical human flourishing in its fullness. In its fullness. And even though we are in a pandemic, even though we, we, we've kind of gone through these multiple lockdowns and we all are kind of trying to adjust to this new way of doing life, I fully believe in my heart that it is possible for you and me as Christ followers to experience and witness flourishing the God kind of way. The God kind of way. Now, now, if you're new to this phrase called biblical human flourishing, I suggest you take out some time to listen to the talk series that we did at the beginning of this year. When in Jan 2020, we kind of did this full month-long talk series on, on the aspect of biblical human flourishing. And uh, whichever favorite platform that you listen from, uh, we've got Zealous Talks. Just go out there, look for Zealous Talks. Scroll up to the month of Jan and you'll come across this series where we speak about flourishing. But today, today, I want to speak to you on, for the next few minutes on the hook to your flourishing. The hook to your flourishing. And, and I remember when, when I was prepping for this talk, uh, I was reminded of this, of this one particular incident of me uh, in, in Goa. Now, hey, we all love going to Goa, right? I mean, back in the days where you could travel, you know, you could just take out your, your own vehicle and just drive down from Pune to Goa and enjoy that drive and, and kind of hit the shack, hit the beach straight off once you enter Goa. We all love those moments. And I remember this, this one time when I was in Goa, uh, we decided to go fishing. And, and it was... We, we, we went to that same spot uh, to catch some fish. The first day was horrible. Uh, we, we came back uh, with no catch. The second day we went to the same spot hoping that things would be different this time. And uh, halfway into, into our time over there, 
it, it was pretty much the same. And I was like, man, okay, this is, this is really so boring. First of all, you need to be patient. If you, if you, if you know anything about fishing, you need to be really patient. And, and I remember there's this old uncle, which was like, you know, just a few, few yards away from us. And I decided to just go and, and just see what he's doing. And he was killing it with his fishing. Like I just peeped into his bucket and there's a whole bunch of catch that he has. And, you know, he's just sitting out there enjoying his moments of fishing. And I was like, you sure don't want to come to our side and see what's happening. And, and, the, and the crazy thing is, he kind of hands me his rod after he had just uh, uh, caught a fish. And he's like, hey, you know what, just give it a try. And I was like, okay, this, this might be exciting. And after a few minutes, boom, that was a first ever catch for me. I remember it was a catfish that I'd caught. And, and I was so happy. I was so excited to, to kind of just, just feel that, feel all of that, the way it was happening for me. And, and I was like, what, what, what's the difference? And long way into uh, just spending some time with that uncle and just talking to him, I understood that all of, all of that was to do with the rod and the hook. I mean, the way he kind of prepared the bait, the way he kind of prepared the hook, the way he kind of adjusted a few things on the rod, I have no idea what he did. But something happened when that uncle handed over that rod to me and, and when I put it uh, in, in, that, in that river and the catch came out. And for those of you who have been fishing, you would know all of this. I don't. I, I realized in that moment the importance of that, of that good rod and the importance of that having that exact specific a hook that was needed for that catch. See, a hook is something vastly different depending on what category or industry you look at. Like, if you're a fisherman, the hook is your livelihood. If you're, if you're Peter Pan, hook is your arch enemy. Any Peter Pan fans out there? Let us know in chat, okay? Hook is your arch enemy if you're a Peter Pan. And... If you, if you look at the, at the music industry, a hook is, a, well, what is a hook? What is a hook? The truth is, in the, music, in the music context, I hope this gets all the musicians interested. This talk might be specifically, uniquely designed for you guys. The hook, in the context of music, isn't one specific thing. The hook is different from song to song, and sometimes it is not even clearly defined. In music, a hook is simply the part of the song that catches the ear of the listener. The part of the song that kind of really hooks you in. It could be a lyrical line, it could be a melodic phrase that makes a song really stand out and stick. And the most popular hooks will be stuck in your head for days, months, and years. I'm sure as you're listening to me say this, you are thinking about the most popular hooks that have been that you have been attached to right now. I'm sure you, some of you even kind of started singing your own favorite songs right now. And that's the power of a good hook in a song. We're going to be looking at three practical ways how we all can ensure that as our life as a Christ follower, our lives are not really passive or redundant or a mechanical one, but a holistic, a redemptive and a transformative journey that you and me get to actively be a part of.
And these aspects that we're going to be looking at today play a good role of a hook in your life, for your life, and, and even through your life. But I want to kind of just take a few minutes to fall, fall back on, on, on the scripture that we read last week. And when we saw Jesus heal that demon-possessed man. You know, when you remember that part where he crosses the lake along with his disciples, goes there, heals that one particular man, and there's this crazy havoc that's there in that town and in that city. But, but the amazing part is that man who was demon-possessed by many demons was set free completely. And this is, this is after, that, after that incredible miracle happens, this is what Jesus says to that man. We're reading from Mark 5 and these two verses from the message version just for our context for today's conversation. Jesus said, go home to your own people. Tell them your story, what the master did and how he had mercy on you. The man went back and began to preach in the 10 towns area about what Jesus had done for him. He was the talk of the town. It's incredible that Jesus tells him these four things that I just want to uh, remind you. This is something that we spoke about last week as well. He, Jesus tells a man, go home, tell your own people, tell them your story and how the master has had mercy on you. What a brilliant reminder. Can we all just pray and commit this time in God's hands? Because I believe the Holy Spirit really wants to stir something fresh in your hearts as you listen to this talk. Let's pray. Father, I want to I thank you for this opportunity that you continue to give us. Even though there are so many things that could have gone wrong, that maybe have gone wrong in the context of our city, in the context of everything that's happening around us, we are grateful and we are thankful, Lord, that we can still continue to do your work and build your kingdom and build this community because that's your desire and your plan for us. I pray for every single person tuning in right now or those who will be listening to this even days, weeks, and months later, that your presence would make a massive, tangible difference through this talk. I, I cancel every distraction and let us enjoy this part, Lord, together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you've just tuned in, we are talking for the next few minutes on the hook to your flourishing. And as we, read these, uh, as we read these two verses, I just want to kind of throw off a bunch of questions to you and we'll take it from there. How many of us are really in sync with your redemptive story in Jesus Christ? I mean, everything that Jesus has done for you, how many of you are really in sync with that? How many of us really believe for yourselves that Jesus is truly what the scriptures say he is? In this time, in this age that you and me live in, in this, in this, in this kind of timeline where you and me have been positioned and placed on, 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 on earth, how many of us really believe that Jesus is what the scriptures say he is? Or, or how many of us then, really believe that it is necessary to live out my faith and my new life in Jesus in obedience to his command and, and, and his word. 
See, the reason I'm, I'm pushing all of us or nudging you guys to think on these questions, because whether you like it or no, there is a version, or, or in some cases, there are multiple versions of a story or stories that are, that are running in your minds and that are running in your hearts. And as we dive into our, 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 this conversation, I want to help us pull out the right one. Pull out the right story, the, 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 the story that God's written for you. The story that God is in fact writing in your life and through your life as you journey and as you navigate through these times even right now. See, because you, need, you and me need to hear this well and, and our hearts need to understand it, our minds need to perceive it, that embracing the gospel message of Jesus is the first step to embracing your redemptive story. It's not, just, it's not just important that you listen to the gospel. It's not enough that you continue to hear about it on, on like a regular basis. But you need, and we, you and me, need to allow our heart, our mind, and our soul to fully receive the truth of the scriptures and embrace them. That's where, that's where the real juice is. And it's only when you embrace your story is when you begin to live out in accordance to the true narrative that God has for your life. That is when, the, when, when these truths, that is when the, when the love, that is when the teachings of Christ are practiced and lived out on a daily basis. You know, at, at your workspaces, in your businesses, in your academics, and, and everything that you do, you desire to take more interest and take more ownership to reflect the heart of Jesus in that particular setting. You, you're like, it's like you're, you are so enthusiastic you, and you're willing to do whatever it takes to simply model Jesus in that setting. And see, the more you are doing this, you're not just being a passive believer of some ancient concepts, but you and me give ourselves an opportunity to become, can you say that with me? To become, to be an active disciple of Christ who wants to reflect the love, who wants to reflect the truth, and who wants to help people see the Jesus that you believe in. Because can we, can we just talk about this, right? Whether... Can we, can we just zoom in on this one particular talk, uh, thought for now? Let's be real, right? That's, this is actually what we are meant to be. This is actually what we are meant to do as Christ followers. To help people around us see and experience the Christ we have experienced. Right? Every single one of us. Because... It's through our lives that the people get to see the true attributes of the love of Christ. It's through our life stories that the people get to see the true attributes of the hope that we have in Christ. It's through the communities that we are building, the people get to see the authenticity and the truth that Jesus always spoke of. But, but you see, the problem with some of the seasoned Christ followers is that too many people are caught up in just correcting their beliefs in Christ and getting them right and not really giving yourself an opportunity to live out those beliefs in Christ. It's because when you accept your redemptive story in God, you begin to live your life in accordance 
to that redemptive story. You, believe, you begin to, to, to live your life in accordance to that, to that truth that God has spoken over you, to that hope that you have received, to that, to that love that you have received, and to the new life that you have walked into. And I love this part about Jesus, that when, when Jesus was here on earth, he did not just leave us with a bunch of beliefs that we should just believe in. Right, it's, it's, I'm not just trying to do a play of words over here, but I really want us to understand this. He just did not leave us with a bunch of beliefs. He promised us life and life in abundance. When he said that, when Jesus said that I've come to give you life and life in abundance, he meant it that, that, that when you believe in him, you just don't stop at believe, but there's something more that you do. And, and I'm not talking or I'm not trying to communicate the idea that we need to go against not believing. We need the right set of beliefs. We need the right set of teachings and the doctrines to help us. But sometimes most of us drop the ball of this, of this entire aspect of following Jesus and this entire aspect of Christian faith because we get so caught up in getting those beliefs right. We get so caught up in making sure that everything is in, in the kind of like a good checklist is in place when it comes to your belief that there is no room to live out those beliefs in Jesus. There's absolutely no room. You're choking yourself up. You, you, you're pressurizing yourself in, in a way that is not even necessary to see those beliefs come to life. Whereas you're just focusing on the belief and not the one who gave you those beliefs. So allow me to push you a bit more today. When was the last time you allowed yourself to live out in faith? When was the last time? When it, when it comes to sharing your faith story with somebody. You know, when it comes to believing God for those provisions. Believing God for those miracles. Believing God for those plans and purposes. His plans or rather his purposes to fall in place for you. When it rather, how about this? When it comes to being certain of his goodness and being certain of his protection in, in, in a time and an era where everything is so uncertain around us. When was the last time you allowed yourselves to live out your faith? See, because the more you make room in your conversations with people to talk about all that Jesus has done for you and is doing in your life, you're not just completing that particular conversation, but you are leaving people with the hope in Christ to those who might be feeling completely hopeless. You, 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 you are not just completing a conversation. You are, in fact, creating a space for that particular person to encounter the unconditional love of Jesus that has impacted your life and that has been changing your life. You are not just completing that conversation. You are being the mouthpiece of God's goodness and God's plans and purposes in that particular conversation. You are the mouthpiece. You get an opportunity to be the mouthpiece. You know, I remember this time back in uh, a few years back. Uh, I, I, I got this opportunity to travel to so many schools and colleges and, and speak to the students, uh, speak sometimes even to the teachers and the faculty members about my story of change, my story of faith and, and hope that I had found in Jesus. 
And every city we traveled, uh, when, we, when we used to go to these campuses, these school and college campuses, we had a whole bunch of volunteers who would, uh, local volunteers who would, who would join us and help us in different ways. And I remember this one particular city, uh, about a few years later when I had come back, uh, come back to Pune, and I get this call from this young man from this one particular city that he was there listening to me when I was sharing my story. And he asked me a question. He asked me, Nanad, what, what did the aftermath look like for you when, you when you were coming out of your experience of child sexual abuse? That's one of, the, one of the stories that I used to talk about of how God set me free and how God really used that, that, that moment to transform my life and encounter the true love of Jesus. And he asked me, he's like, how did you even start having conversations with people about that particular episode in your life? What did it look like? What were some of the thoughts? What were some of the questions, the challenges that you had to battle with? And, and I kind of asked him a question back because I, I was curious to know why he was, he was getting to that particular conversation after, after two plus years. And, and in that duration, we had not even spoken. We have not stayed in touch. I just get this call and... and when I, when I kind of asked him and I kind of nudged him to speak a bit more, I understood that he was a victim of child sexual abuse. And, and he, was, he, he, he was in this place where he had not opened up to a whole bunch of people and he was at this junction of his life where he was about to get married and, and he was engaged and he wanted to start having those conversations with his fiance before he started his married life. You see a space that was created about two years ago that, that was still evident in that, in that particular conversation that, that we were having over, over the phone call. And he says that, you know, he, he really found hope. He, he says that he was able to find clarity and direction when I was able to share that story of, of change, my personal story of change because of what God had done in my life. And, and I, I remember walking out of that conversation that, that my story of faith and renewed hope in Jesus had become a good hook for that young man who wanted to start his new journey, who wanted to start his married life on the basis of truth, who wanted to start a journey just making sure that how can he start having those conversations. I'm telling you, your story is an opportunity for someone else to experience hope and faith in Christ. It's not just meant for you. It's not just meant for you to feel good about it. It's not one of those feel-good things of what Jesus does. What Jesus does in your life is that he transforms you inside out. He transforms you from a place where you were dying inside. But now because of Christ, you and me, we have a new life. And the most amazing, the most incredible part about your story is that each one of us has a unique expression when it comes to your redemptive story in Jesus. And, and that, that, that expression comes alive with those, with those talents, with those gifts and those skills that you possess. You know those natural gifts? You know those natural abilities and, and that you are born with and, and for some of you, even the skills and even the talents that you have pursued since you were growing up and now you kind, of, you kind of know those skills, you kind of know those talents, those gifts. Every bit of it actually fits into the bigger picture of God's heart for humanity. It fits into the bigger picture. And I love it that Paul, you know, one of the, one of the most 
versatile and intellectual folks in the New Testament scriptures. He kind of helps break this down as he is speaking to two different audiences about the eternal hope, about their true purpose and about the extravagant love of Jesus that has changed him inside out. And he writes in the book of Romans chapter 12 and we'll read these four, a few verses from the message version. Romans 12 chapter, uh, chapter 12 verses 4 onwards. This is what Paul says. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger, or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we are made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. No more, you be you, I be me, like, you know, no, no more of that. Paul is saying that. It's kind of a very countercultural to, to what's happening right now. Hey, bro, you do you. I'll just be me. And he's saying, hey, now of that, why don't you be what Jesus has made you to be? Why don't you do what Jesus is asking you to do? And this is, this, he kind of goes on to kind of practically help us out. He says, if you preach... Just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help, don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them keep a smile on your face i love it that paul's encouragement to this community is is him asking them to focus not just on the glorious gospel message but also on the unique gifts and qualities that they have among them he he wants them to kind of Tap into their abilities, tap into their skills, their gifts and the talents and express themselves to help the people around see the Christ through them. Can you guys say this with me? Christ through them. See Christ through them. And, 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 and I love it that he, he, he's kind of helping them understand. See, it's not just about you attending some weekly gatherings. It's not just about committing to a life of prayer and reading the word for yourself. And, and don't get me wrong, these are the essentials that one should really not forget. But Paul's going a step further. He's telling them, hey, we get a whole new meaning and we get a whole new purpose And when it comes to our existence, when it comes to our lives, because of your stories and because of the skills when, that when they come together, there's something powerful. When we get an opportunity to express and point people towards Jesus. That's what Paul is helping them understand. And I want to tell you this. I want to help 
every single person in the community know this, fuse your gospel story with your gifts. Just so that you don't miss it again, I want to, I want to kind of repeat this in a very visual way. Fuse your gospel story and, and your gifts to make a tangible and a life-changing impact for the kingdom. Your story, your gift, fuse it, merge it and see what God can do through that. And I love that, you know, there's the same verse, Romans 12, 6, in the, in the New Living Translation, uh, Paul kind of helps us through something so, so incredible. It says, in His grace, in His grace, God has given us different gifts of doing certain things well. I love saying this for all of those who, who, who are true fans of the grace of Jesus. Who, who love talking about it. Hey, we're in, we're in the era of grace. I want to tell you, the grace of Jesus puts a higher responsibility on us. It's a higher responsibility. You know, and, and I love this about it, that I love that the people whom God has brought in the community of Zealous till now are so diverse. We, we are different. You know, all of us are gifted. All of us are skilled and are able to do everything to the best of our potential and abilities because of God and of course your dedication. And, and, and just if in case if some of you are, are sitting back there and, and kind of saying to yourself, uh, I don't think I've got anything to not. I just want to call out the false humility over here, okay? Because if, if you're sitting back there and thinking, I'm not good at anything, I want to tell you, check again. If you're sitting with somebody and who might have said that or thought that, just tell them, check again. Because there is a gift everyone has and it's called life. There's a gift everyone of us have. If you're breathing right now, if you're tuned into this online experience, if you're watching this or if you're listening to this, even if you're on the go, you are alive. And if you're alive, I believe there is a gift that God has given to, to each and every one of you. This may sound a bit cliche. This may sound a bit too cringy, but this is the truth. Your life is a gift from the creator of heaven and earth. And, and though you may feel different sometimes, I want to assure you this, that you matter and your story matters. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. See, because when, when God put this vision of to, to kick off zealous, I saw a community that was thriving in their identity as Christ followers. And, and I also saw a community that was striving in the different spheres of influence. You know, where, where we are not ashamed to carry our faith to our workplaces. We are not ashamed to carry our faith to, to, those, to those businesses. We are not ashamed to carry our faith in everything where we spend time, where we hang out the most, when we are not gathering as a community. You know, though we have not met in person for a while now, I hope we haven't forgotten this truth that we are representing Jesus wherever we are. We are His ambassadors for the message of the gospel. We are the very hands and, and feet of the absolute truth that we believe in our hearts and reach out and, and we get this opportunity to reach out to the communities around us. And I want to tell you, there is no better time than now 
to express and model the, the heights, the, the, the breadth and the depths of the love of Jesus for humanity through your story and through your gifts. The time is now. The time is now. And Paul is again exhorting this to another community of Christ followers to help them see and acknowledge the tremendous potential that they have in them and the incredible gifts that God has deposited to those people and, and, and to his body that is called the church. He says this in Ephesians 4 from verse 11. He handed out gifts above and below. Fill heaven with his gifts. Filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher to train Christ followers in skilled servant work. Working within Christ's body, the church, until we are all moving rhythmically and easily with each other. Efficient and graceful in response to God's son. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. He even goes on to say, no prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants us to grow up. That's a sermon right there. That's a talk for one month, for one year, right there. Can you say this with me? God wants me to grow up. God wants us to grow up and know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up Healthy in God, robust in love. See, from the very beginning, the church has been God's idea of a new humanity. From the very beginning, the church has always been God's idea of a new humanity. And all of us have a role in building this kingdom. And that, you know, that means there's not much room for spectators and observers in the kingdom of God. I'm sorry if I disappointed you. I'm sorry. And, and, and I want to speak to everybody, okay? I'm, I'm speaking to myself as well. There's always something that God can do through you. The only barrier will be you. Because if you felt otherwise... If, you, if you've thought to yourself, what does my life really look like after I have accepted Christ? There is more for each one of us that God is entrusting you with. And, and this is the last piece that God wants us to know. You matter in God's kingdom. You matter in God's 
kingdom. Let me say that again. You matter. Your stories matter. Your gifts, your skills, and your abilities matter. You may be different. You, to, to, to some extent, people might even find you edgy. People might find you weird, and, and the list can go on and on. But I want your heart. I want your mind and all the emotions that are flowing in your, in your mind, in your, in your life right now to hear this. You matter in God's kingdom. You matter in God's kingdom. See, it's when you, 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 you start seeing everything from the light of this truth, your faith in Christ, and, and all that you do with the resources and the opportunities you get, all these things become the hook for the people around you to see the Jesus in you. To see the Jesus in you. You know that act of kindness? You know that, that show of affection? You know that stand that you take for the truth? You know that new, no compromising attitude towards justice and many more gifts and habits that you build for yourself eventually helps people around you see and experience the truth that you and me have subscribed for to help people see the Jesus in us. Zealous, it's time we take our walk with God to a new level. It's time that we embrace your redemptive story in its fullness. In its fullness, it's time we express our skills. It's time we, we express those gifts and those talents and to help people around you see the Jesus in you. Because I've said this earlier. And, I, and, I, and I, I know for sure God reminded me to say this and remind us. We will only flourish in its true sense when we help others around us flourish. Zealous will only flourish when we take it upon us to help the communities around us flourish. So I want to tell you this even as I close out. You've got this hook in you, this, this gift, this skill, the talents, the abilities, the, those, those giftings that you all have. Your story is one of the biggest hooks that God wants to use right now. In the times of, of, of desperateness, in the times of hopelessness, your redemptive story can bring the hope to somebody. So it's time to fuse your story with your gifts, and let's build the kingdom that Jesus is asking us to build. The time is now. Your story, your gifts, and your role, these are the hooks to your flourishing. These are your hooks to your flourishing. We're so glad you've been listening in. If you'd like to know more about us, follow us on Insta at Zealous Pune or visit us online at zealous.community.